0: good morning Grace Church we're so happy to have you all here to worship with us today Uh, Paul said in Corinthians I'm sorry Colossians uh, 316 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord what a beautiful representation of the church and Paul has a way with words to me Um, I'm always just so amazed at how he phrases things and how he says things it's quite beautiful and this year's quiz study is on the teachings of Paul Um, like I said they're full of rich concepts and principles like Romans chapter 12 verse 1 one of my personal favorites I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or First Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Next Sunday, September 4th, we will have a quizzing open house in classroom two, just out here. If you or your family are interested at all in getting involved in quizzing or just want to learn more about it, please stop by. Um, I will be available to answer any questions that you may have about quizzing or the ministry. Thank you so much.
1: Well, good morning, Grace Church. Let's just give that hand clap of praise to the Lord this morning and enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you Jesus, I'm going to have you stand in just a moment, but before you do, let me just remind you of a couple of very important things uh, for this morning. Um, Today is the deadline for the Move the Mission's offering, and I talked to our students about that this morning. That means that this season of, of Move the Mission fundraising comes to an end today. And so, of course, if you have an offering you want to give along that line, today's your day. Um, and if you promise to sponsor any of these students in their walkathon, thon which we did yesterday, which was tremendous, tremendous success, uh, Today's today is the day to get all of that reconciled and squared away. But I also want you to know that uh, today is, will be one final Sunday in the lobby after church today uh, with all of the candy and, and, and the things that have been sold out there. All of that is going to be sold today at a very deep discount. It's going on sale because we want to get rid of everything we've got, our inventory that we've been selling through this season. So today is a good day as you leave after church today to stock up on candy and sweets and all of those wonderful things out there at a discounted price, and it all goes to move the mission. So make a note of that. This Wednesday night, we'll have a very special service with missionary Jeremy Favors, missionary to Luxembourg. Uh, He'll be speaking in the service here in the sanctuary. Looking forward to that. And then um, Sunday, mark your calendar. Sunday, September the 11th will be uh, Child Dedication Sunday. So get your uh, name and your child's name to the office if you would like to have your child dedicated in that service. And then finally, one more, mark your calendar for September the 16th at 7.30. That's a Friday night. We're going to be having an evening of worship. With special guest worship leader Brian Pound, we did this last year, and it was tremendous. The Holy Ghost moved in an amazing way. We left out of here that night on a mountaintop, and uh, we're expecting even greater this year. Now that we've kind of done it, got one under, you know, got one under our belt, and know kind of what to expect and how to do it. We're looking forward to a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost on, on Friday, September the 16th with a night of worship. So come, as you know, that if you were here last year, not planning to have an evangelistic service in terms of preaching, but just coming and offering up our worship to the Lord through music ministry and see what God will do and how he'll move. And I believe he's going to do great things. So come with expectation that night, if you will. God bless you. Would you stand with me? Uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer in just a moment before the praise team sings. But just as a way of sparking our faith today, a starting point of the service, our, our lesson this morning in the adult Sunday school class was on the prophet Joel. And of course, if you've been around Pentecost for even a day, you know that, that the apostle Peter quoted from Joel extensively in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Ghost was poured out. And Brother Donnie mentioned it. Peter started by saying, this is that, and I just don't know if there's a better text or a better title of a sermon than to say this is that. Peter's point was is that Joel had promised through the prophetic utterance of the Holy of God that the Holy Ghost would be poured out, and Peter was saying this outpouring is that prophecy being fulfilled. The good news is is that it's still happening today. It hasn't stopped. God is still pouring out His presence. He's still healing. He's still delivering. And you're in an environment today where the Holy Ghost is being poured out. I want you to know that today, what you're feeling, this is that. And so if you will begin this service with that posture of faith, I promise you, anything can happen today in your life before you leave today. We're going to pray, and then the praise team is going to lead us into his presence. Um, Anthony and Brittany have turned in a, a very special request for their son, John Robert. A very young child has a very high fever that has not come down, even under doctor's care. And they are asking that the church pray for a miracle. I believe God can do that in an instant. Would you help me pray for John Robert right now? Jesus, we know that all things belong to you. We know that all power is in your name. And I believe that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. I speak to this fever in John Robert's body right now and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. It has to go. I believe you're going to bring that fever down from this self-same hour and we will say to God be the glory and look what God has done. Would you just say in Jesus' name and clap your hands victoriously to the Lord.
2: to breathe. we
3: it's true. There's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. There's no replacement for the presence of the Lord. There's no substitute for the presence of the Lord. I'm glad He's here and I'm glad I'm here today to be in His presence and to fellowship with Jesus. Let's praise Him again, everybody. Let's worship the Lord.
1: Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
3: Thank the Lord, thank the Lord thank the Lord God bless you look at somebody and tell them I think you look nice today thank the Lord God bless you you may be seated for a moment I have several things I would like to run past you and uh, I want to applaud our youth group again Uh, I'm going to brag on these folks as long as I possibly can they are certainly worthy of it but every Sunday they're up here and they praise, they worship and it, it seems like it invariably it ends up in a, an altar session, a prayer meeting they'll gather around somebody and pray and perhaps they think, perhaps you think well pastor how do you interrupt that and uh, it's hard it would be real easy to say everybody just come down and let's pray with them and we'll see at Lost Palmas for lunch, that's where most of the church goes after church and uh but uh, sometimes we have to go on to the, with a service. And uh, but I applaud our young people for their, their. I, I don't know how many was over at the A Center this morning. Uh, there was a fine group of uh, our young people over there praying. I applaud our parents for bringing them. And I'm uh, making sure they get here. But man, it is so inspiring and so encouraging to have such a fired up youth group that loves God, that's committed. And we applaud them. Uh, now, I'm segueing into this. <clears throat> um, they have helped us tremendously this year with Move the Mission. Uh, yesterday, um, I think we had 27 at the walkathon. yesterday. I think there were five others I heard from the rest of Section 2. So it was Grace 27, Section 2, 5 uh, yesterday. And uh, some of them walked, I guess, for the fun of it. Somebody told me, I didn't, Pastor, I didn't get any sponsors. I just went out there and walked. Uh, I would need some sponsors, I think. That would be a huge motivation for me to uh, get out there and do that. They walked in the rain, uh, and I understood when I heard when it started raining, they were just jubilant because it cooled them down. I'd have gone and sat in the car, but not them. Uh, I love our, our young people and uh, they did yesterday tremendous for Move the Mission and I understand some of you owe them money and they will let you know that you owe, they probably already have. But we have a tab on our website you can go to, it's just Move the Mission and if you wanna pay online, you can, just let them know that you've done that and they will leave you alone after that. But I want to applaud Tanya, Teresa, they have done phenomenal this year. The Thank y'all so much. Uh, I'm anxious to see. We don't we don't have all of our, everything totaled up from, from yesterday. But hopefully next Sunday we'll have a figure for y'all. We, we may keep it a secret for a while because other churches want to outdo us and move the mission. And we don't want to let that happen. So if you tell them too soon, they'll throw in an extra hundred. And uh, I'm teasing about that. We'll let you know next Sunday. Uh, But uh, Tanya, Teresa, thank y'all so much. That that lobby, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. So, so appreciated. So, so appreciated. To all of Grace Church has been so supportive of Move the Mission this year. And hey, how can you help yourself? You got all them baked goods out there and that amazing piece of candy that even though it's 10 o'clock in the morning, you still have to have it. Um, We put it out there for you. But thank you for purchasing all of those things and um, all the doodads and whatnots and all that that was put out there. I don't know what all was out there. Uh, It's kind of better for me just stay in the the office and and I'm not tempted, and then I don't have to answer questions. I don't know what all they sold out there. But anyway, it was wonderful. It was so well done. And uh, we appreciate you folks so very much for taking on this project and I believe it's going to be our record year uh, for Move the Mission. I just believe that with all of our heart. Give these folks some more appreciation, shall you? Thank the Lord. I also want to take a moment and just thank our our wonderful, wonderful Grace Church staff for helping us with this platform remodel. Uh, I'm in love with it already. I fell in love with it last Sunday. Um, when it wasn't even finished but uh, the more I see it the better I like it the more I like it and uh, I really appreciate the folks Uh, a number of our men uh, just spent a lot of hours up here last weekend this past Wednesday night and also yesterday Uh, some of them arrived yesterday at about 8 o'clock I don't know when they went home Sister Murphy and I left about 8.30 I think last night they were still here and uh, I thank them deeply from the bottom of my heart for their hard very committed work to make Grace Church the very best it can be and uh, I think uh, we're about 90% complete Uh, there's one more phase of this Uh, they're going to wait another week or two just make sure everything is where it needs to be and what have you and uh, we'll be adding some more lighting I understand and it'll be beautiful when it's done but thank I thank everyone if I started calling names I'd leave somebody out but uh, I thank everybody here at Grace Church that helped us uh, make this happen. The construction part of it, the framing and, and decking and all of that was done by Pastor Herman Holland. Pastors of a wonderful church in Walker and uh, we've become great friends over the past months and uh, he's a sweetheart of a man and I hope we'll have an occasion that he can be where, here with us where you can all meet him as well. But him and his, his company, his subcontractors, did an amazing job and we're very very thankful very thankful for that two more things I'll go quickly uh, our connect groups are doing amazing connect groups are doing amazing one of our connect group leaders texted me this week and said he only had one and uh, but he said this is my connect group and I applauded him uh, Just I thought it was amazing that he did what he did took the time to do what he did etc But whether it's one or whether it's 50, as long as we're impacting the lives of people, helping people, ministering to people, and we get reports every week. I got one this week that was just amazing. People discovering friendships in the church, uh, meeting people in the church, getting to know people in the church. Um, Even if it takes a flat tire uh, to make that happen, hey, it still works, right? Uh, One of our ladies had a flat tire when they came, was done with the connect group, and one of the other ladies went there and fixed it. I thought that was interesting. and uh, But just wonderful, wonderful things are happening with our Connect Groups. I want to encourage our Connect Group leaders, please keep on keeping on, keeping on. Uh, it's only 10 weeks, and uh, y'all are doing a phenomenal job. And I appreciate it so very much. Those of you that are attending, keep it up. Uh, great things are happening, and we expect to see even more and more wonderful things happening. Finally, uh, Courtney made a presentation about... Bible uh, Bible quizzing a few moments ago and um, it occurred to me uh, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, since they have been involved in Bible quizzing every year that they've been a part of Bible quizzing our Grace Church teams has gone to nationals now you may not understand that but I think most of us here today understands that every college football program in the United States of America wants a coach that will take them to a national championship game. We have a coach here at Grace Church that will take Bible quizzers to nationals every year. They're, they're 100%, they're about 1,000. And I can hear Courtney say, well, you know, it's the parents and it's the kids and it's this and that, I get that. And it is all of that. But it's also the fact that she's an amazing coach. Uh, Nathan is an amazing coach. And uh, they've done this. They've been there, done that. And uh, so I want to talk to some of our parents here today. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have time. I'm going to go heavy duty on you here this morning. Ask Jesus if he had time to go to Calvary. You want to talk about sacrifice? I didn't mean for it to get that quiet. Uh, But it's worth the sacrifice for the joy that is set before you. And it's not just about going to nationals and, and them hanging out with some of the finest apostolic kids on the planet. Getting to know apostolic kids from all over the country. Building friendships, camaraderie. Bottom line, it's about putting the word of God in them. I want to remind all of our parents here today, and don't forget this statement. Brother Dave introduced this. Uh, a couple of years ago related to Bible quizzing. Right now, national average with Pentecostal denominations, whether apostolic or not, churches are not keeping but half of their young people. It's 50%. When they get into high school and college, we're losing half of our young people. They leave. They they, they quit going to church. But if they're Bible quizzers, we're keeping 90% of them. Now you tell me if quizzing is worth it or not she's offering herself uh, to do this open house i'm going to ask all of our parents to at least consider no matter how old or young your kids are i don't know how old you have to be to start bible quizzing five six years old all the way through 18. if you have kids in that age group would you at least hear what courtney has to say and give it some thought would you at least try it for one bible quizzing season it takes a season or two for it to really become a part of your family, a part of your home. This is just what we do. I understand we have close to 20 kids that are homeschooled. You want to add something to their curriculum that's worthwhile? Treat it as a subject. Treat it as English and math and social studies and all of that. Add Bible quizzing to their curriculum. And then it don't make it quite such a tall mountain climb to do all that quoting every day. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. If you could just experience the environment and the fruit of it and you're not going to win every quiz and you may not go to nationals, bottom line, you're putting the Word of God in the hearts of your kids and God knows they get hours and hours and hours of this every day. Why not give them the Word of God? I thought we'd have a little more support on that than that, but I'm still a very, I believe in it. If you clap your hands, don't mean you're going to commit to it. It just means you believe it. Please give it some thought, hear what uh, Courtney has to say, and uh, let the Lord lead and guide you with that. I I know we have some kids in our church right now that would be excellent, excellent quizzers um, if their parents would would give them a a chance at it. And Courtney will coach and give you all as much information as you need and what have you. She may not be able to coach every age group, but we'll make it happen. Stand with me tonight or today as we turn to the Word of God. I love the new platform. I don't know what y'all think about it. I love it. It's nice not to negotiate steps and all of that. And the praise team can just go all over the place. We have room for a small choir up here. And uh, who knows what the future may hold. Thank the Lord. Genesis chapter 42 beginning with verse 6. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land and Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth and Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them and he said unto them whence come ye and they said from the land of Canaan to buy food and Joseph knew his brethren but they knew him not him notice verse 9 and Joseph remembered the dreams. That's an awesome statement. That's an awesome revelation right there. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 16, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the, the troughs to, the, uh, to water their, shepherd, their, their father's flock, excuse me. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock and when they came to Ruel their father he said how is it that you are come so soon today and they said an Egyptian an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock and he said unto his daughters where is he why is it that you have left the man call him that he may eat bread notice verse 21 and moses was content moses was content to dwell with the man and he gave moses zipporah his daughter i want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning about living in life's worst place living in life's worst place everybody say thank the Lord for the word God bless you and you may be seated I want to tell all of our young single men here this morning if you ever see a group of nice looking apostolic ladies struggling to feed their herds help them and you may end up marrying one of them, you never know kind of a bizarre story to me you know that go get the man here you help my daughter water the sheep and the cows you can have her to marry if it were only that easy right everybody say amen thank the lord excuse my humor here this morning I want to open with a very strong remark and I want to end it with an exclamation point as a matter of fact two or three exclamation points running away solves nothing Running away solves nothing. Winston Churchill said, and you've heard it before in reference to World War II, he said, never, 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 never never give up. You never win a war by evacuating. I submit to you today that living for God for a lot of people has been made hard by preachers and pastors But Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 30, For my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. I want to submit to some people here today that it is not hard living for God. You can make it hard, but it's not hard. If you live for God hard, it's easy. That means if you Commit and give and what have you. If you understand the principle of discipleship, submission and obedience, living for God is not hard. To me, being saved is being forgiven. Having angels protecting me, having God watch over me, living under a blood covering. It's having God for me And not against me. It's having divine provision and sustenance. Living for God to me is the best place a person can live. I love living for the Lord. I love being where I am in my relationship with God today. And I hope you feel the same way. Hallelujah. There are folks here today that have given up. And are living in what I'm going to call life's worst place. That's the place where people have given, up, have given up on their dreams because of delays and disappointments and failures and setbacks. And you can continue on with the list. They have been hurt and betrayed by those who should have loved them the most. There's people here today that have been betrayed by their family. There's people here today that's been betrayed by their parents. There's people here today that's been betrayed by their children. And sometimes when these things happen, bitterness sets in. You put God at a distance from you you, because of what someone else did. You don't want God to really be around you. I'm going to draw that in a little bit further. Sometimes there's mistakes that we make. Morally, spiritually, emotionally. We make mistakes and sometimes we cause our own self to end up in the place that we're in. And bitterness sets in and your faith in God has been shattered. And you just can't find it in yourself to make a comeback. There was a time, there's people here today and I, I know what I'm talking about. I know the crowd pretty well today. There was a time when you were going to be the best prayer warrior. You were going to be the best soul winner. I remember being with some of you at your youth camps. And I've seen you around the altar and crying and speaking in tongues and shouting and dancing and all of that. I've seen some of you slain in the spirit. And you come out of that moment of intimacy with God and you determine, when I go back home to church, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and I'm going to sell out to it. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to give all I've got to it. So I'm going to be the best prayer warrior, the best soul winner. I'm going to be the best worshiper, the most faithful. I want to be the biggest giver. I want to be the best singer or musician. But something happened life happens circumstances happen events happen delusion sets in and you give up most of us here today nearly everyone here today will know the story of the old testament joseph he's the one that i just read about that forgot about his dreams i'm going to talk about that briefly for in in a moment but joseph is an example in the bible of something inflicted on him by others there were people around him that loved him or supposedly loved him it wasn't his fault that he was chosen to be the golden child if you would by his father but his brothers resented it and you know the story and in his childhood somewhere in his growing up through adolescence God gave him a couple of dreams and his brothers started calling him the dreamer I believe that Joseph was perhaps a little unwise in sharing those dreams with his brothers, telling them that one day you'll bow to me. But it is what it is. And we know when you're a part of a family, if there's any size to it, especially if you ever do something stupid, your family will be the first one to never forget it. Talking to somebody here. Your family will throw you under the bus. They will remind you of how stupid you are and how ignorant you are. You run off at the mouth and you've done stupid things and what have you. His brothers called him the dreamer and they were not being complimentary. His brothers betrayed him and lied about an animal killing him. And when that happened, everybody listen. When that happened, Brother James He never mentioned his dreams again until that day, some years later, when he was standing in Pharaoh's palace offering his brother's food. His dreams were never mentioned again. It's interesting to me in Joseph's case, and it's something for all of us to consider, We preach forgiveness, we preach restoration, we preach reconciliation here at Grace Church. And I believe in it. I don't have time to go into it today, but it's something for you to think about. The same group of people, the same brothers that took his dreams away from him are the same ones years later that reminded him of his dream. As a matter of fact, on that day, they were fulfilling those two dreams that Joseph had years ago. If you're going to be the best Christian person you could be, but life showed up, heartbreak showed up, disappointment showed up, your marriage didn't turn out like you planned, your kids didn't turn out like you had hoped, the job fell through, maybe it's been physical, mental, or emotional issues, or even addictions. Your hopes have been dashed, and you put your dreams on hold, and you gave up on your dreams. I know in my heart today, there's people here today that at one time in your life, you had a wonderful perspective of what church is, and and what living for God is, but an event happened. And for most people here today that's in my mind, it came somewhere through your family. Maybe your mother was an idiot. Maybe your daddy was an idiot. I don't say that to be respectful. But families do unwise things. And because of it, and because of it, those hopes you had, those dreams you've had. My heart breaks today because I know young people uh, that have been here before that would just have given anything when they were here to have had a youth group like this one to be a part of. But it didn't happen that way. Parents did things and made decisions and they're not even here anymore. And their dreams have been forgotten. Those prayer meetings have been forgotten. Those altar sessions have been forgotten. What little Bible knowledge they had has been forgotten. You understand, does anybody feel me here this morning? We, we started out with one, at one point in our life that... That I've got a dream, I've got a hope, I've got a vision for my life and I can see myself doing this and being this and going here and going there. But something happened. I'll have you understand here today, the devil didn't steal your dreams. Circumstances didn't do it. Regardless of how tragic the event or circumstance was in your life whenever it was. You just chose to give up. And as your heart begs you to get right, your hurt and your rejection doesn't allow it. No matter how bad you feel, no matter how bad you feel like you've been mistreated and rejected, you may feel despondent. No matter what's going on in your life, the devil didn't steal your dream. You just simply gave up and quit. You decided that I'm going to put them on hold. I'm not going to make the effort I'm too emotionally drained, I'm too emotionally spent. I don't just I just don't have the stamina to fight it out to battle back and to come back to that place where God once had me. Again Joseph had a dream but I'll have you notice he never remembered his dreams until he was in the palace with Pharaoh the the Holy Ghost, The Holy Ghost can take care of sin. The Holy Ghost can take care of hurt. And you giving up on your dream is not what God wants you to do. I know what I'm talking about here today. I know the ears that are listening to this message here today and all of you say sometimes and I've heard this all before but I'm not going to give up as a pastor of this church as long as you're here sitting in the pews I want to challenge you here today that wherever you are you're only a heartbeat from Jesus you're only calling his name you're that close to him and he wants to help restore you and make something mighty out of your life. But some have become content to make excuses rather than to make a difference. There's people here today that could be incredible altar workers. There's people here today that could be intercessors. There's people here today that has has gifting and talent that you could use in various places of the church. But because you've been hurt, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to punish the kingdom of God. I'm going to punish the church. And I'm going to punish... Other people in whose lives I could have impact and make a difference. I'm not going to do it because of what's happened to me in the past. If there's anybody in the Bible that had a phenomenal excuse and reason, who could argue with Joseph? His brothers wanted to kill him. They threw him in a pit and was going to let him just starve to death and thirst to death in that pit. One of them had a little bit of a conscience and pulled him out of the pit and they sold him as a slave and thought he'd be gone forever. I can't imagine being treated like that by my own family. But it's interesting to me that after all these years passed and don't tell me that his brothers didn't live with a conscience that pounded them every night when they went to bed they knew they messed up and they knew what they had done wrong and on top of that they had to lie to their daddy about it and convince their daddy that Joseph had been eaten by a wild animal I don't have time to go into all that whole story but you, most of you know it Joseph was presented with a set of circumstances in his life that he had absolutely no control over but one thing he did have control over is that God gave me a dream and if I could somehow maintain my faith and he did he maintained his faith but he lost sight of his dreams. His dreams were not mentioned again until that day when the brothers who took away that dream showed up and reminded him of the dream. Maybe it wasn't a good remembrance. Maybe that wasn't the conduit through which he wanted to be reminded. It would have been nice if God would have spoken to his buddy from a child and his buddy sent him a text message and said, Hey, man. I was praying for you today, and it's been a number of years. I ain't heard you say anything about your dreams, and it'd be nice for it to come that way. But the remembrance of his dreams came through the people that betrayed him to start with. Maybe I'm one of your brothers that has betrayed you. Maybe there's somebody else here in the church that has betrayed you. You're here. But you're not comfortable you're here but there's never been reconciliation but every time you come when you look into the face of the people who's hurt you and betrayed you something happens on the inside of you they remind me of that altar service i wish somehow it just i could disassociate these people from god i wish i could take these people out of my life that's hurt me and and dealt me this difficult hand to play if you will but that's not how god works that's why I said it doesn't, doesn't pay off to run. I've known people who leave and go to other churches, but all that baggage will follow you there. Let me move on. I'm preaching to somebody today, it's time to remember your dream, to think about the desire you once had living for God. And no, it's not too late, it's never too late with God. I want us to look at another man today in the Bible that we're all familiar with and his name is Moses. <clears throat> where Joseph was an example of other people inflicting on him this impossible situation of forgetting his dreams, Moses is an example of inflicting something on himself. God didn't ask him to hop up and murder that Egyptian that day when he was in the courts of Pharaoh. And in Exodus chapter 2, you can read very clearly that at one time, Moses had a huge burden for God's people. He killed a man for beating one of God's people. He murdered him in cold blood. He did. And it's interesting to me that when Moses remembered his story, and maybe some of you can relate to this today, you realize how Moses' life was ordained of God and spared by God? That his mother wove together a basket and sealed it up real good and put him in it and set him out in the Nile River and just let him float away into the hands of God somewhere and God has directed his footsteps ever since? Don't you think that Moses heard that story somewhere along in his life? Is there anybody here today that remembers your mom and daddy telling you that you were dedicated to God one day? Do you understand that you wouldn't be here today outside of the mercy and grace of God? I thank God today, my sister here is here today. Our parents put us in a basket, if you will. We were born and raised in a wonderful home where My mom and dad both prayed. I can still hear my daddy in my ear praying. And I can hear my mother. I can hear my mother speaking in tongues in her bedroom. I can hear her crying and sobbing for her family. I was put in a basket. They gave me to God. Such as I was, they gave me to God. And I know that story very, very well. I can't imagine Moses never thinking about that. At what his mother had to have gone through to take her child under the threat of him being murdered by Egypt. And to take that baby and to put him in a basket and just slide him out of the river. Who would do that? Somehow, as crazy as it sounds, apparently it was the will of God because God had a purpose for him. And as Moses grew up and... Turned around 40 years old and he realized that calling and that burden and that passion. That calling and that burden and that passion. Y'all not hearing me today. That calling, that burden, that passion started rising up on the inside. And he realized that I'm not the Egyptian that everybody thinks I am. There's something on the inside of me that's different. I've got a call on the inside of me. I've got a purpose on the inside of me. I have a destination on the inside of me. I have a path that's been set before me. There's something else going on on the inside of me that nobody else knows about it except maybe my mom and my daddy. Pharaoh don't know about it. Pharaoh's daughter don't know about it. These Egyptians don't know about it. These Hebrews that thinks I'm an Egyptian, they have to understand I'm not an Egyptian. I'm one of them and I've got to deliver them. I've got to set them free. I've got to get them out of their bondage. He handled it the wrong way. He did something stupid. He saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and because of his position and authority in Egypt, he rose up and killed him. There went the burden. There went the calling. There went all of those plans. if his mama was still living I'm sure she was hurt over it her boy has had to go into exile into a wilderness somewhere and he stumbles up on uh, some sisters trying to feed their flocks and these ruthless horrible shepherds show up and chase them away from the well and he chases them away from the well and ends up watering their flocks and ends up being invited over for dinner and his dad orchestrates the date and you know the story that I just commented about and he ends up marrying one of those girls and the Bible said he became content I want to tell everybody something here today now now if there was ever a time to be content now is not one of them I feel the Holy Ghost today we've, we've launched connect groups you hear connect groups you hear youth Group. you hear it all the time around It's one of the most exciting parts of this church, in my opinion, right now. They inspire me, what have you. I believe today there's going to be some connect group leaders that something's going to start happening to you. You're going to realize that all these years God has given me a greater purpose than I've ever lived. and I can't be content anymore. It's amazing to me, as much as Joseph's life was so filled with the power of God and the voice of God when he was a child and he was a young person, how quick he just was carried away from. Moses, what a story, my word. How many kids would be put in a basket and set into a river and you float down the river and you survive. There's crocodiles for crying out loud. that would love to have a five, six year old little boy for lunch. Not being crude. There's so many pitfalls and risk. There's so many things that could go wrong, plan. But God had a purpose. And it's interesting to me that some 40 years later, Moses, the Bible said, becomes content. But here's what happened. When you read it in the Bible, you go from one chapter to the next, and you think, boom, boom. That's not how it happened. Moses had been camping out for some 40 years. When you go between them two chapters in Exodus, there's 40 years there. And he's walking around out in the wilderness. (laughs) And he sees this funny looking bush. You know the story. You hear me today by the word of God, you hear me today. There's people here today that God has set in front of you a burning bush. He don't force you to look at it. But you can't help but look at it. Because this thing ain't burning up. And the fire ain't going out. And Moses, in his mind of contentment and lethargy. And I hadn't done anything for God in 40 years. I don't know that he's had much of a conversation with God in 40 years. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this bush. This bush. Moses goes, huh? I think I will turn aside and look at this great sight. So, sheep, be right back with you. I don't know how else to explain it. That's what the Bible said he did. He had caught, caught his attention, and he said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight. And this is what probably scared the ever loving daylights out of him. Is that bush was weird because it had been burning, but it didn't burn up and the fire didn't burn out. And then when he gets close to it, the thing starts talking to him. You talk about weird. Yeah, I'm going to use the absurd here today. There's people sitting under the sound of my voice right now. God has had a burning bush in front of you for the past weeks and even months. And you just keep staring at it. You just keep staring at it. And that voice, that voice, I just can't get away from that voice. That voice, I know that voice. Where have I heard that voice? And I believe you had a little bit of revelation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I recognize that voice now. That's that's the voice that used to speak to my mother. Oh, God, the Spirit of the Lord is working somebody in this room right now. We've heard songs. We've heard testimonies about mama praying, mama praying, mama praying. I just referenced my own personal testimony. But that day, the voice that mama prayed to, Moses didn't hear mama. He heard the voice mama pray to. And there's people here today, you're hearing that voice and God is telling you take off your shoes because the place you're standing on right now is holy ground. I want to remind you, I saved you in that river for a purpose. I brought you to this place. I brought you into the arms of Pharaoh's daughter. I gave you favor with the Pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world for crying out loud. I did all of that to bring you to this moment in time and Moses, now is not the time to be content. You need your passion back. You need your burden back. You need your vision back. You need your dream back. You need to understand why I called you. You need to understand why I set you aside. You need to understand. You need to understand these. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. That, uh, even with a burning bush it totally did persuade Moses he still had to give God the little fleece test thing and God said I'll play you a little game will you put your hand in your bosom and he pulled it out it was leprosy you remember that and God told him to put it back and he put it back and it came out clean and he said throw your rod down and it turned to a serpent and he picked it up and turned it to a staff again you remember all those stories God made a believer out of him but what happened is God brought him back 40 years later to that same place where it all started in the throne room of Pharaoh. Nobody was more qualified. Nobody was more qualified. God ordained that he would be raised by Egyptians. God ordained it that he even looked like one. Because one day he was going to need that influence. To walk back into Pharaoh's palace. Into his courtroom. And say my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has spoke to me. And he's told me to tell you. I'm going to use my commentary. If you know what's good for you, you'll let my people go. But he didn't know what was good for him, did he? And he didn't let him go until he gave up his own son. It would have been easier if he'd listened the first time. But Moses was brought back out of a place of contentment. Joseph was reminded of his dreams. The burning bush. Betraying brothers. I know today That God is using the situation that you're in right now to get your attention. God is speaking to someone today. You've become content and you're living in life's worst place and you know it. You're living in a place of immorality. You're living in a place of unbelief. You're living in a place of addiction. You're living in places that God never intended you to be. Your daily routine has been interrupted. You've been distracted by fear and anxiety, and tomorrow doesn't look as promising as it did in some time in your past. For the first time in our, our own country, our government is talking about tracking and tracing and food shortage and famine, depression, gas, oil. You know the story better than I do. We, now is not the time to become content our country is more anti-god anti-church than it's ever been our government our media the whole thing we cannot become content moses became content and god went to the extreme to get his attention and he's doing that for somebody here today we've settled for less we've become content and we put our dreams into retirement retirement means a place of seclusion or privacy i don't want to be bothered by god i don't want to be bothered by the church i don't want to hear this stuff Where people withdraw to retreat. It's a private abode. This is a way that so many have chosen to live. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus said we thought he would redeem us concerning Christ. It's unfulfilled expectations. Peter said when Jesus died, I'm going fishing. There's a number of reasons he could have said that. At least two. The first could be because he thought his dream was hopeless. Being a disciple of Jesus was apparently a huge waste of time. He felt betrayed, deceived, maybe even misled. Besides that, he was no doubt still feeling condemnation over even denying Jesus. Or, and there's somebody here this morning that's doing what I'm about to say, what Peter did. Maybe he went fishing. Because that's what he was doing when he met Jesus. So maybe if he goes back to fishing, Jesus will come get him again. Maybe. The place where Jesus called him to be a disciple. Maybe it was his way of just trying to start over. I believe this is where some of you are today. You want to come back to the place where you first met him. Maybe perhaps perhaps Peter was thinking about the stormy sea experience. Maybe if I get back into my boat and row back out into the sea, Jesus will come walking to me again on the water. I don't know why he said that, and the reasons could be many. but I want you to understand that you've come back to Jesus here today. There's people here today <laughs> that have come back to Jesus from wherever you are and from however. Jesus is trying to have you revisit your dreams and aspirations of the past. We all know the statement, and it's a statement I concur with. It's one I believe in. When Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. People made jokes about it and what have you. But large and part, of a lot of his dreams have come to pass because of his courage and stamina. Even after he was assassinated, people picked up the baton behind him And continued to carry it. There was persecution. There was protest. There was bloodshed. But it's what kept his dream alive. And he refused to allow anything. To take his dream away. We can't let anything happen to our dreams either. Defeats, disappointments, disillusionment. Personal failures. Personal failures. Personal failures. All of these things can cause up cause us to give up on our dreams people betraying you church people betraying you can cause you to give it up i'm talking to people here today if if we if grace church could get a handful of people back we could reignite a lot of our staff and and get things rolling here in such a positive direction but but there's people here today that just says i'm content where i'm at you can't be content You can't go from a place of power and anointing and being called and being chosen and being gifted and talented by God to end up in a place of contentment. That's not where the road stops. Everybody stand. I'm finished. Your worship, your giving, your faithfulness tells if your dreams are alive or not. Sister Murphy and I, this past June, came here 29 years ago with a dream. A $100,000 lawsuit, the murder of the previous pastor, and broken, broken, broken finances. The people's confidence was shattered. Their faith was about gone. But none of that took my dreams away. And nothing between then and now has taken my dreams away. People leaving hasn't killed my dreams. Betrayal by brethren hasn't killed my dreams. The fact that the church building when we came was in horrible shape didn't stop my dream. All the things of 29 years. Yes, there were scary times. There's been shaky times. There's been uncertain times, but we're still here, still fighting, still growing, recovering from living in life's worst. Life's worst place is dead, abandoned dreams, and living in a place of contentment. Let me tell you the tragedy of this sermon. Tell you the tragedy of this sermon. I preach to broken people every chance I get. I preach to encourage, preach to lift people up and I choose all kind of different methods and what have you to do it. But let me tell everybody here something. Everybody listen. Broken, frustrated, bitter people are the most difficult people to reach. You can reach a stark off the streets sinner who's never heard of Jesus easier than you can people that's been there, done that. But that is not going to stop me from trying. There's people here today, you think, you have, you're living in that perfect spot. I'm not in church, but I'm not out of church. My marriage ain't that good, but I'm still married. My kids aren't that great, but they're still my kids. And you weigh all this stuff out, and you found that place of contentment when there was a time that you told me. I feel a calling, Pastor. I feel like there's more God wants me to do. Life's worst place to live in is where some of you are living right now. You're not in jail. You may not be addicted to drugs. You may not be an alcoholic and all that stuff. But you're not where God wants you to be. And anywhere you are that God doesn't want you to be is the worst place. You can be. The best place you can be is in the will of God. It's in the will of God. So, here we go again. As is our custom. Would you let God talk to you today? Would you let God revisit you today? Don't you hear that voice? Don't you see that bush? Don't you remember what your parents put in you and gave you? Don't you remember what pastors have preached and sermons you've heard? Don't you let God bring all of that food. Get past the event. Get past the circumstances that brought you to the place you're in right now. Let the Spirit of the Lord work. Let the Spirit of the Lord work. Everybody come. Thank you thank you. Everybody come and talk to the Lord a few minutes while they sing. They sang earlier today He keeps hope alive. Yes, He does. It's not too late. It's not hopeless. It's not over. It don't have to be over. Somebody let the Lord speak to you today. Somebody let the Holy Ghost have His way today.
2: We'll so